Hello everybody, thank you for tuning in to another very special episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani and this show is brought to you by Navman. Now ladies and gentlemen, if you do not have a dash cam, are you mad? Are you really thinking about driving on this road that we do have in the beautiful country of Australia without a second pair of eyes on the road? You must be insane. And so insane because I just checked the Navman website, navman.com.au. The MyView 140, it's just a single dash cam. You have it facing the front. It monitors everything that happens in front of you. It's the MyView 140, and it's $140, recommended retail price, meaning you probably get it less from a store. This is a full high-definition 1080p recording with your driving speed display, GPS-tagged video, the G-sensor, and again, very strong and powerful night recording because that's one of the really important things you need. Now, trust me on this one. You'll find cheaper GPSs out there. You definitely will. Even at 140 bucks, you certainly will. But guess what? Have a look at that footage and tell me if you can rip, make out the number plate, the make and the model of the car that was in front of you, what the person looked like. Trust me, detail is important. No point just recording it if you can't use it. Now, we're in Las Vegas. Let's get on with the show. Rasembrasma Jeff Quattromani, multi-Australian in Sydney. Tech expert Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani, thank you very much from Sydney. Jeff Quattromani is here. And now it's time to talk technology with Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani. Hello everybody, thanks for tuning in. What the heck? Let's talk tech. And good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whenever it is that you are listening to this show. Thank you for tuning in for what is episode one, effectively, of the CES event. We're in Las Vegas. We're back after what COVID put us through and the virtual events and all the attempts that they had at trying to make what CES could have been without actually physically being there. We're finally back. Now, we're in the, on the ground, came via Hawaii, had a pretty interesting flight going that way, and it's been, we hit the ground running. Uh, I effectively checked into my hotel room around midnight, and by lunchtime the next day, or that day, uh, I, was, I was ready to start reporting. That's what we're doing straight away. So a few hours sleep, and uh, of course, we always start the show with a bottle of something, and something that I've been dr- not dying to have, but really keen to have um, as part of my trip to the US has been Prime. Uh, it's a prime energy drink. Well, it's called a hydration drink. Uh, it's made popular by uh, Logan Paul, who has a podcast, which I quite enjoy as well. And I've gone to the Target or something like that on the Strip and bought a bunch of those. It's like an energy drink. I don't really understand how the heck this thing works. It's got zero sugar, zero cholesterol, zero fats, um, zero, like, oh, sorry, six carbohydrates. But it's so sweet. It's kind of insane. Uh, the one that I'm having at the moment is called Ice Pop. It's a little bit more Benadryl than I would like it to be. Uh, but if it says it's hydrating and it's going to keep me healthy, it's got 10% coconut water. I don't know. I can probably bear it. Uh, I, this morning I had their Metamoon uh, drink. That was delicious. That was more hubba bubba than anything else. And I've got the grape and the blue raspberry in front of me as well, which I'll be getting through. So uh, a little bit of energy drink stuff going on, whatever it takes to keep the the juice is flowing as we, as we tackle what is always a crazy CES. Now, uh, the event started uh, this week with what they call Tech Trends. Now, Tech Trends is really the chance for CTA, which is the company behind CES. They're called the Consumer Technology Association. Uh, these guys do a stack of research, and they really come, come to CES with the plan to really tell us a little about what they're seeing in the market, what's happening, um, and where they think the market will go. Now, full disclosure as well, before we really get into the show, full disclosure, because that's what we should do. You know that I'm sponsored by Navman for the podcast. Uh, The funding to support this trip was provided by Samsung, LG, 
Hisense and Hear Technologies. So if you hear about those brands, I probably would have spoken about them anyway, but uh, a big thank you to those brands who have supported this podcast or supported me, I guess, to, uh, to be here to record this podcast, but actually to make sure I'm not completely going broke as a result of the flights and accommodation costs and things like that. So now that that's out of the way, uh, full transparency is what I like to do. Let's talk about tech trends. Now, when the CTA guy came on stage, uh, it was really interesting. I was surprised to hear some of the insights. Now, when he started looking at where we sit this year, uh, a lot of the supply chain restrictions that we saw um, in, the, in the market before seemed to be easing off a little bit. Uh, the semiconductor shortages, which again led to, I remember it led to some cars even being shipped without certain parts because there wasn't semiconductors available. They see that uh, being less of a problem. In fact, they actually think it may swing in the opposite direction where we have too many uh, semiconductors as we've started to spin up new factories to try and keep up with demand from last year. They do say there's a big labor shortage, and this is interesting to me, and they, they're potentially talking more US-centric here, but they're effectively saying that um, one example they gave was that American trucking companies are keen to move to autonomous trucks, not because of the cost savings, because they potentially won't be upfront, especially, but they're saying because it's just so hard to get drivers at the moment. So with the labor shortages means, well, how do we still maintain our business? Well, potentially moving to technology to do that. So this labor shortage seems to be a real, a real deal. Maybe it is impacting Australia as well, but obviously that research wasn't covered there. Um, and they're also seeing, obviously, especially in 2023, uh, consumer wallet pressures. So how much money are you actually going to be able to spend this year with interest rate rises and things like that? America's certainly noticing it. And, uh, and obviously in Australia, that's certainly a thing. They then moved into, based on that comment, they then moved into what recessions have done in the past. And they fully expect that America will go into a uh, recession in 2023. Now, the last time that they saw a recession was 2008-2009. And they always say that recessions drive tech growth or technology growth. And they say that in 08-09 was really when 4G or 4G and LTE networks really sprung up. That was what really drove, in their mind, uh, the mobile innovation boom You know, around smartphones, tablets, Chromebooks, those kinds of devices. And they think that if we were to go into a recession again this year, that 5G would be the springboard. It would be what then enables that next next phase of tech growth. What would we then see spawning out of what five G can enable around, you know, VR, artificial intelligence, robotics, whatever it could be, automation. Um, what would happen if we went into another recession in twenty twenty three, and how that would then change the market again? So I thought that was really interesting, just to to, to think about financial pressures and how it actually can help drive uh, new changes or new things in technology. So that was something interesting. Um, they then obviously talked about three key areas where they see a lot of growth this year, the cloud, cybersecurity, and AI and robotics. Probably no huge surprises there. Um, cybersecurity, especially in Australia, would certainly make a lot of sense. Not so much how it came about for uh, the US, but obviously the AI robotics piece is something we're seeing as well. And you know, a simple example of that is, is a warehouse. You know, A warehouse could have uh, automated or automated shelves, you know, shelves that drive around on the floor, like what we saw recently at Amazon um, warehouses in Sydney. They talked about exoskeletons for for people working in those warehouses. So you know that that lifting, that bending down, the um, the squatting and things like that being done through exoskeleton assistance. So imagine effectively a bone structure sitting around your legs um, and tied around your hips, so that when you went to bend or stand up, it was being assisted by um, an exoskeleton. 
They then obviously talked about robotic arms and how that's taking simple processes and just automating that through robotics. And you get a very quick picture as to, yeah, I guess we are moving in that phase. We are seeing that already. It really comes back down to adoption. Speaking of adoption, they touched on the metaverse. And they actually think that the metaverse is something much closer than we think, something that we're going to sort of see and experience a lot sooner than, um, than we would have imagined. They give two particular examples of this, an owned and an unowned experience. And it was important that they did that because an owned experience means that you have your own virtual reality headset. You have one at home. If you wanted to join in the metaverse, you could. But the unowned experience is I am somewhere and I am being given a headset to wear to join in the metaverse. And that changes the discussion or changes the paradigm a little bit because in an unowned VR experience, it could be a virtual space. It could be something that's individualized for your experience. It could be an experience in a store. Imagine going into a store and maybe it said Subaru at the front. You walk in and it's just an empty room. There might be a sales consultant or there may not be. And it may be that you put on this virtual reality headset and inside this room, you now feel like you're actually in a showroom. And that showroom is something you can interact with. You can walk into the car, you can open doors, you can play with the infotainment system, but then with a swipe of an arm, you could change cars. That kind of metaverse or virtual reality experience is something that could be done in an unowned VR. Obviously, when you think about owned VR, uh, there's that immersion, there's that shared experience. It could be um, meeting with somebody. And actually, talk, they gave a good example of customer service. How many of us have actually spoken to somebody through a chatbot or something like that in a website? I do it a lot. I'd rather use the chat feature than call. And they're saying that in that scenario, the metaverse layer of that would actually be engaging with that person, being in a virtual store with somebody, um, obviously them being in the metaverse as well. So they're saying that these customer service agents potentially will start working from home not just to man those chatbots, but actually to put on a VR headset on and enter the metaverse in a customer service experience kind of way as and when they needed to. So, you know, that would mean that they could service customers from anywhere in the world. They don't have to be, again, if we use that dealership example, that car dealer, that car salesperson could service multiple countries, could be based in Sydney servicing somebody in Melbourne, but they're meeting together in a shared experience in the metaverse. So crazy, not crazy, but interesting insights as to how they think uh, the metaverse is going to accelerate as well. They talked about virtual reality now having sent, and there's a company at CES this, uh, this year who was going to demonstrate that, how you could potentially be in a virtual reality experience, walk among a garden, bend down, pick out a rose, bring that nose virtually to your nose, and actually smell it. That's something that they do see. They touched on a lot around transportation. Um, you know, EV, electrification systems as well, uh, autonomous systems and applications. So we're not just talking about cars on the road or trucks. We're talking about farm tech. We're talking about any kind of device or vehicle that could be automated. And John Deere is here, and they're going to give some really good examples around farm automation and autonomy. Because if you think about it, one of the easiest places to do autonomous vehicles is in a field, in a paddock. There is very low risk. There is no, there's no lines, there's no non-autonomous vehicles trying to cut in front or interfere in the same experience. It's a quite a controlled environment. If you need a tractor to go up and down a field and work its way across, that's a pretty easy thing to program compared to driving a car, navigating streets, traffic lights, stop signs, and so on. So 
you know, John Deere moving in that automation space certainly makes a lot of sense. And they were talking about how that's going to be demonstrated uh, this week as well. A big focus at CES is around health tech. Um, health tech, we're going to see a lot more again, digital therapeutics, how telehealth can be improved, uh, fitness technology, of course. Uh, remote patient monitoring is something that they were talking about, whereby effectively, if you have enough of the devices in your home, how a telehealth consultation could be very different. How you could potentially be getting out of hospital faster and do remote patient monitoring where those tests or those things that they were hoping to keep you for just to monitor you, you could actually now do from home with consumer purchasable devices. But you know these are devices that we don't normally have access to. Uh, virtual reality rehabilitation, anxiety management, a lot of that was also touched on this health tech space. So it just continues to evolve in that sense. Now, we also had a look at sustainability. We are going to see a lot more mention about sustainability this year. Uh, expect that in the next podcast as well. But they talked about devices that are purifying water. They talked about um, these sort of clean power devices that are going to be used for power generation. So they showed an example of this, what looks like a windmill. You would take it to the beach with you and it could provide power for your sunshade area where you might want to plug your phone in or speakers or whatever it could be. Um, and they talked about how battery is going to become more innovative. They, they talked about a company, I need to get more detail on that, but there was a company that is, is no longer using graphite in batteries uh, and they're using some sort of silicon to replace the graphite in batteries. And that is a quite a big change from battery technology point of view. I touched on farm tech a little bit, uh, but they did jump into that a little bit more. Intelligent silos, drawing, uh, dr drones, and soil sensors. The connected farmer being able to control all of these things, including those farming robots, through 5G and potentially satellite, especially in remote locations, but then sending a lot of their data to off-site resources. So yes, the farmer cannot be expected to process all of this data or to understand how everything would work. But if you have services in the cloud that can process the data and provide either the input or the action, then effectively you can have this really smart farm. So a very interesting insight. As soon as that thing finished, the doors opened to CES Unveiled. And CES Unveiled is really the chance for people to get their hands on and to see some of the weird and wonderful things that are coming and potentially not coming to the market. We'll get into that right now. Now, one of the things that kick off just before CES really gets going is an event called Unveiled. And Unveiled is effectively a smaller conference room where they just have very small booths, you know, maybe two meters wide is one booth. And the next one, it's every two meters. There might be maybe a hundred or so brands that go to Unveiled. And they're usually brands that potentially you've never heard of, or it's a big brand wanting to do something punctual, like something very neat and small, but effective. And you might see a brand like LG turn up to Unveiled and they want to show off one particular product compared to what's on their main booth in the convention center. Now, in this instance, um, I'm going to talk about the products that caught my attention. There were plenty of products in there. There's actually quite a lot of garbage as well. Um, there's a lot of sort of startups that tend to go. They try and have a swing at it. Unveiled might be their one chance to try and get some press attention and to try and you know make an impact for what they're trying to announce or what they're trying to do, whether it's for funding or whether it's to try and move forward with a Kickstarter or whatever it could be. Now, one of the brands that caught my eye because it's one I spend a lot of time with every CES is a company called Kohler, K-O-H-L-E-R. They do bathroom fittings, they do faucets, they do tapware, um, shower heads and things like that. They do toilets. 
Now, why did I speak? To, why do I speak to these guys every time? Because they've always got a way of innovating in those rooms that we probably don't look for innovation in. The bathroom, the kitchen, um, and I mean, when I say kitchen, I mean like the kitchen sink. Um, those areas don't necessarily have a lot of technology in them. Now, this year they were showing off um, their six, six, six head, six head shower system. Effectively, you can have like two sort of at your hips, two a little bit higher, um, one above your head. I guess it's five. Uh, one above your head is your normal shower head. But the, the taps don't look like taps anymore. There was like this, this weird volume looking knob plus a screen with these simple buttons to choose what kind of jets you want, what kind of level of spray. But amongst all of that, you can actually talk to the thing as well. So you could just be talking to your Google or Amazon smart speaker. And if it's your voice and you say, turn the shower on, well, it knows how, what temperature you like it at. So it would automatically have the shower ready for you at your temperature. If your partner did it and it knows what temperature she likes, then it would automatically have it set for her as well. And this is a smart shower. They also have smart toilets. Uh, they say they've got an improved version on, the, on last year's or last time's smart toilet. Uh, now, with, when I say smart toilet, I mean a toilet that will flush through voice, a toilet that has lighting underneath it, which detects when you walk into the bathroom and can actually provide some illumination. There's toilets that have built-in speakers that can actually play music or play sounds to drop to drown out the sounds that you're making. Yes, that happens. Um, ones that automatically put the seats down, can automatically put the seats up. Uh, you know, they are taking toilets to a whole other level and it's always good to stop and see what they're doing. Not a major step change. Again, they have said that there's probably going to be a bit more announced at their actual booth because they will have a larger booth inside the convention center as well. So hopefully somebody I get to bump into later in the show, uh, later in the CEO show, not this particular podcast episode. Another company, Nose Metal. Uh, they do a product that I've seen conceptual before. Um, this is a snoring pillow. Now, the pillow itself doesn't snore, but if you're somebody who does, then this pillow can inflate from the back, the middle, the sides to basically prevent you from snoring. And if you're somebody who um, has issues breathing at nighttime and that causes you to have different type of sleep episodes, then this pillow is going to listen out for all those kinds of sounds. So if it needs to raise your head, it can do that. If it needs to turn your head over, if you're somebody who's you know facing the left and, they, and that's causing a problem for you, it will actually rise the left-hand side of the pillow to keep your head straight um, or lower or higher. This is a really smart pillow in that sense. Now, obviously, it's a bit strange. You've got, we're talking about pillows here that are listening to you sleeping and that can inflate and deflate. It's, when he was demonstrating it, it was very quiet in terms of that inflation and deflation sound. So I guess you know, if it can remove the sound of the snoring, then the sound of the pillow motion is worth it because, you know, it can be compared to getting a kick in the ribs. It's a pretty good idea. So that's from a company called, they said it was nose metal, but then when I look at their website, it's motionpillow.com. So um, I don't know what nose metal actually means, but um, motionpillow.com is that one. And then we saw a company, which I have heard about, and you would have heard about them on this podcast before, Withings. Withings, I'm wearing their smartwatch at the moment, which I absolutely love, and they've got a new product out. Now, we've had wearables before. Everyone's worn a Fitbit or something similar, but uh, there's a new product that's come out, and this is going to do health metrics for you on a different level, and the level is actually in the toilet. This is a gadget that looks like a toilet duck. 
It looks like a smart toilet duck. It looks like a hockey puck, I guess. And it's got a little attachment to make sure you can dangle it on the side of your toilet inside the bowl. Yep, this is why we're talking about this. And uh, it's called U-Scan. The letter U and then the word scan. U-Scan is a urine tester. And unlike most gadgets, this is one you're meant to pee on. You're meant to wee on this gadget and it will do a urine test and feed that into your HealthMate app. I use the HealthMate app to track my steps. Um, I didn't realize I'd be tracking my peeing in the next few months. But from a nutrition point of view, you can track a lot of things. And there's going to be, there actually is some good in this. Hear me out. I know I'm making it sound a little, a little silly, but hear me out. So it can track your water balance, can measure your ketones, acid-base balance, vitamin C, uh, protein levels. So you can really get a pretty good understanding as to your internals, how you are functioning. Are you doing okay? Now, I know that in the past, the old school way of doing it was potentially just looking at the color of your pee. Yep, we're talking about pee. Um, and that was a, a visual way of knowing. But now with Uscan, you're going to be able to see that in an app. So you could pee in the dark, finally. And you won't have to even worry about the color of your pee. Um, but, you know, we're talking about from an asset perspective, that helps you understand protein and vegetable balance. So if you're having too much meat or maybe too many vegetables, um, are you having enough water in your life? This is fascinating stuff. Now, the reason it's also fascinating is for women. From a women perspective, you can actually do cycle tracking. So based on your urine and your pee, you could track your cycles and understand when you are ovulating. So if you are someone who is looking to get pregnant, you could go pee, check in your app. It will tell you if it's a good time or a bad time. And then you make the decision on what you do next after that. It's from Withings. It's a product called Uscan. I mean, it's as easy as one, two, pee. No, I kid. I'm actually, I'm actually looking forward to testing this. Um, and it was funny. The lady who I was talking to about it, I, just, I picked it up while she was talking. And I'm looking at it. And it didn't occur to me until halfway through the conversation that I hadn't even checked whether the unit that I had in my hand was a demo unit that they've been testing or one that uh, is new. Turns out it was a new one, which was good. But, you know, it's not the kind of gadget you pass around. Now, the other thing that's important to note is that it can detect what a one person to another. So obviously, most toilets in the home are shared. That means that multiple people can make use of the urine testing. And that means that you can have individual results without, say, uh, what was that episode of Seinfeld where um, Elaine's getting a urine test and because of the poppy seeds, she gets tested high for opium. So she ends up getting Jerry's mum to do the urine test and then comes back. <laughs> that um, Elaine's like a 70-year-old woman or something. Anyway, so yes, it will get individual results, which is fantastic. Now, moving on, there was a guy punching a, bo a boxing bag. Now, um, it's kind of unusual to see at a tech event, but it made sense when I had a closer look. Uh, this is a boxing bag cover. So anyone who has a boxing bag could get this cover. And inside the cover is a bunch of sensors. And the sensors are used in a couple of ways. One, to illuminate parts of the bag where it wants you to punch as part of a workout. So say, for example, up, down, hook, right, jab, this. It would actually be illuminating in those areas and you'd be able to follow those prompts to 
have a visual workout on your boxing bag. I thought that was pretty smart on its own. Then it goes a little bit step further is on the app, you can then start to look at your velocity, your speed, your impact strength, um, your response times and things like that, like really get some insight into how you are punching the bag. And I thought that was brilliant. When I was younger, not that much younger, um, I used to enjoy doing boxing on a bag. It was a lot of fun, really good way of getting some exercises, crazy exhausting. Um, But you don't have any understanding of A, how many times you punch that thing. You don't know whether you're getting good at it, whether you punched it hard, even though maybe it felt good. Um, So this is a really good way to punch, analyze, and improve, as they say. It's called I per cut. So it's like uppercut, but the letter I and lose a P. The P is actually on the Withings product. That was a good little ring in. Then the last one, oh, second last one, second last one that caught my eye is Bird Buddy. Bird Buddy is the smart bird feeder. Now, this, from, an, from, a, from a distance, it looked like a small house. Um, turns out that's what bird feeders look like. It looks like a little house and a perch. You can put seed in there and whatever. This thing looks like it was 3D printed. Um, it was just a piece of plastic in the shape of a house. It had a piece of foil on the roof to pretend it was a, a solar panel. And it had what looked like an Arlo doorbell built into it. Now, effectively, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a bird feeder or a bird house with a camera built in. And you will set this thing up, obviously within Wi-Fi range. And as a bird decides to come and eat some seed from your birdhouse, the camera will obviously notice the motion, send you a picture of the bird that has visited your birdhouse and taken some seed. The AI inside the camera is, I guess this is where the value comes into it from a product perspective. The AI of it will recognize the bird speech, bird species, not speech. (laughs) It will recognize the bird species so that you can understand that whatever it is that you're looking at in the picture that it sends you, you know, oh, it's a lorikeet. And you can say, hi, lorikeet. Thank you for eating my bird seed. I'm not a bird guy. I don't understand it. I don't know why you would want to feed birds. I think if they're alive, then they probably have a good food source already. Um, But anyway, if you really want to get a bird feeder with a camera built in, you could just stick an Arlo camera or any smart camera inside your existing bird house or bird bath um, and then use Google Images to figure out what bird it is that's come to your house. But if you don't want to do any of that, then you can go and get the Bird Buddy. Um, it's not available for sale. Again, given it was a 3D printed looking thing and what looked like a piece of foil on the roof as a solar panel, I don't think it's available for sale. And it might be one of those products that you just never see. Again, uh, the Bird Buddy. If you want to go and Google that, you can go and have a look at what that looks like. The last one I'll talk about is interesting. And it reminded me of a product that I've tested before. This one is called Bugali, a French company. So uh, maybe Bugali. I don't know how to speak French, but Bugali, Bugali, they have a base. Imagine what looks like a food tray and that food tray has speakers built into it and a couple of other sensors and you'll understand why. You take a Bugali book. Maybe Bugali means book in French. I wonder if that's what it means. Um, So you take a book from Bugali and you put it onto this tray table and then page by page as you turn the page um, it will actually read the book to you so if you're somebody who can't read 
you can put the book on the Bugali, the Bugali on the Bugali. I don't know if what which one of these two is the Bugali, but you can put the Bugali on there and it will start to read as you're reading. But you can actually even literally as you turn the page, um, it will know that you've turned the page. And if you touch a certain area on the book, even if you touch on a word, um, it will start reading again from that word. So I thought that was very, very smart. Now, I'm going into Google Translate here because I, it's kind of bothering me now. So when I go from French to English, Bugali means Bugali in English. Are you kidding me? Okay. So Bugali doesn't mean anything. Now I feel like I've really been ripped off. Um, let me just try Googling it real quick. What does Bugali mean? Okay, nothing. Okay, someone made up this word. Someone made up the word Bugali. It doesn't mean anything. What a, what a silly name. It has nothing to do with the book. Anyway, so this is the other thing. Now, the reason I kind of like that is because Yes, it could be a good way of teaching kids how to read or to have a book read to them. It reminded me of the speaker that I tested some time ago, quite some time ago, called Birdie, B-I-I-D-E. And that was a speaker that you could tap um, a book onto, or obviously a supported book onto, and then it would read the um, book to you. But it would just read it to you. There was no um, knowing whether you had turned the page of the actual physical book or not, whereas this one does that. And I kind of like that idea that it you know, physically will track your book. Every, t- every page you turn, everywhere you tap, it will start to read back at that point. It's quite smart. Now, they did say it was about 100 euros uh, for the base station, and each book is around 14 euro. Um, so you're looking at, a, at an investment. It's, a, it's more expensive than just buying a typical book. And obviously, each book in fact, every page of each book has its own tag to be able to inform the base station that it has the page has been turned. So a fascinating product, something I haven't seen in application that way before. So that's what CES Unveiled tends to do. It tends to bring out interesting different ways of thinking, uh, looking at potentially problems and trying to solve them, or looking at life being good and trying to make it a problem to solve it. And I think in some cases, they don't solve anything. And in some cases, you kind of think, huh, that's not bad. Like the snoring pillow, the smart shower stuff. You know, I think there's some really good things. This whole pee gadget, I don't know. I'm looking forward to getting one and peeing all over it and then seeing how healthy it thinks I am. I don't know. I mean, I have no idea what kind of real insight I'm going to get from peeing on a gadget, but maybe we were all saying something similar to that when the first Fitbit came out. And why would I care how many steps I've taken? We'll find out. Now, tomorrow is press day, and press day means almost back-to-back press conferences with the big brands, LG, Samsung, Hisense, TCL, uh, Panasonic, Bosch, BMW. The list literally goes on. It's, it's a full, full day. You're running one to another. There's actually two at the same time all day, so you do need to pick and choose your favorite friends. Um, sometimes there's good foreign brands in there that make your decision easy to skip. Um, And then I've got commitments with Samsung for some behind-the-scenes tours, some individual briefings to find out more about the products. And then the day after that, the show actually opens and I get to go and walk the show floor and see who else has got stuff, what's interesting, what's really uh, happening at CES. CES has not started yet. This is purely off-the-strip type stuff. This is not even at the conference yet. So 
it's it's fun. I'll try and bring you an episode as often as I can to make sure that we're not recording six-hour episodes. We try and give it to you in bite-sized chunks so you can enjoy more of CES and obviously more of your own life as and when you need to. Thanks for listening. And again, full transparency, this show, not this show, this trip is supported by Samsung, LG, Hisense, and Here Technologies. This podcast is brought to you by Navman. And I am Jeff Quattromani. Goodbye.